Hello and welcome to another Design Cure podcast. My name is Brian, creator of the Design Board Bootcamp, here with my lovely, talented, and beautiful partner and founder of the original Design Cure, Jessica Lee. So we were supposed to be interviewing a couple from Australia. I totally screwed up with the time zone, but that's going to be the next episode that you hear. Really excited about that. But today we are going to go over some of the questions that we had for them and we're going to be answering them ourselves based on our experience and background all right so to start off i think what we should first do is define what it means to be successful in this world of online interior design jess you want to get us started off with what you think that is for you well for me it's not just about online or not online i think the problem with online interior design is that you kind of end up working for crumbs. You know, you spend a lot of time working on these projects and you end up getting, you know, low payments from it because of all the competition out there. So why do you think that is? Is it is it the type of client that you're working for? I think generally all of these, you know, big e-design companies maybe they cater more to the lower end sort of group that has a smaller budget. But I think, you know, both online and in person, how you could be successful is kind of narrow down what kind of client that you want to work for, you know, what's worth your time. And, you know, from there you could start setting your own rates and not feel like you have to be limiting yourself to you know these companies right so i think that's something that that we did have to do early on i remember when you were working at lauren wolf that was when you kind of generalized your service yeah so i mean it was a good starting point for me because i never worked online with clients before and i needed to sort of get a feel of what it was like to you know, source things completely online and not ever meet with them in person. So, you know, if you're wanting to build your portfolio, it's definitely a good place to start. For me, you know, even they recommend not to count on on that income as as your full-time, you know, income. From there, I started going off on my own and started to kind of niche down my service to multifamily. And that's where I found my passion in working with those types of projects. Right. And so, so like, basically, you niche down your whole thing, instead of trying to do business to a mass audience, you did it to you found your niche. Yeah. And that was working for developers. Um, so guys, if you guys are out there, um, and I think this is goes true for a lot of successful interior designers, um, and just no matter what industry you're in, really niching down and figuring out who your target audience is, who you're passionate about serving um, is really going to be a big step in the right direction. They say, if you, if you try to talk to everyone, you talk to no one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then from there, once you figure out, okay, who, who my ideal client is, you can then start to kind of use their language. You could start to produce content that's specifically for them. And it just, it makes it that much easier and it makes things more focused in terms of, you know, creating blog posts or your Instagram post or putting ads out. It just makes 
that content more geared towards that specific client? All right. So bottom line, being successful in the online interior design business, and even if you're not online, it's all about niching down to your strengths and really serving a particular audience that you love. So let's keep going down the list here. we got a few questions that we are going to ask the couple we are supposed to interview today. And the next question is, can you give us a little glimpse of your professional background? So I think we kind of did that in the first episode. You want to just uh, give us a quick summary? Uh, yeah, so I got my bachelor's back in 2007 in interior design. From there, I started working in corporate architecture firms in Los Angeles mainly, and then we moved up to Canada, and I went into more healthcare and corporate design. From there, I went off on my own. That's when I started working for Lauren Wolf, and then I started taking on my own um, multifamily projects. So my focus has really been more corporate and multifamily projects. All right. And as for me, I started back in Ohio and got the inspiration because I wanted to make films and animation. So I ended up traveling to California, going to school with you and was lucky enough to meet you. And then we went from that to I got into the film business and started working in graphic design and animation and learning all sorts of cool softwares and getting really good at Photoshop and a few three-dimensional tools as well. And eventually we ended up merging together and kind of working as a team in this industry of interior design. I still do some work for freelancing for film and visual effects as well, so I always keep my skills sharp and try to bring new graphics and interesting softwares to the table for our company. And part of the merging together situation also brought to my attention that I really love to teach. And that's when we began to offer classes on our website, which I'm going to shamelessly promote right now. If you guys haven't checked out our bootcamp classes yet, go ahead and head on over to the designcure.com. We have a brand new bootcamp starting up at the beginning of next month that I guarantee will help you improve your presentations as a designer and ultimately make you stand out from the crowd. I'm there, Jess is there. We have hired trainers that are gonna be there to make sure that you guys come out of this course with amazing results. All right, so I'm done with my shameless pitch. Now back to you. We have just talked about your professional background. Now, what was it that actually inspired you to become an interior designer in the first place? Mm, I, I, I don't know. I don't think I knew what it really was until I was in high school. Um, when someone, I think a recruiter came in to our school and, you know, kind of gave, gave us a little tour of what, they offered at at their program but I mean I was always the kid that could set up doll houses for hours and I no one else was ever allowed to play with me I was always <laughs> the one you know just I could just sit there for hours setting up houses you know made out of cassette tapes or pizza boxes and <laughs> so I knew I wanted to do something creative I just didn't know what it was I bet you're not the only one. I bet there's a lot of interior designers right there, right now, sitting who used to play with dollhouses. If you were an interior designer and you used to play with dollhouses and that was your drive to become an interior designer, send us an email, give us a heads up so we just know how many of you are out there. If not, tell us you know, something else. Why, why was it interior design for you? Um, 
All right, so let's see what's next on the list here. We got, okay, so what was the aha moment for you to take the leap and start your own business? For me, it was, well, initially it was wanting to have the freedom. I didn't want to be in an office anymore. Um, I wasn't making, you know, that great of an income. And I just, I wanted to be able to travel more. I wanted to be able to spend more time with my family. And the only way that I saw that I could do that is if I had my own projects, my own business. So. And like, just a little background on us. Um, I'm from Ohio. Jess is from California. And, you know, our families are big and they're in two different parts of the country. So we had to figure out a way to be able to spend more time with them. We're big family people. And luckily this big online boom happened. Yeah. And then I started to see, you know, other people having their businesses online with shops or with, um, you know, just different, different industries. And I felt like, well, if they could do it, why can't I do it? So that was kind of what, you know, it was a lightning bulb for me. Once you start really studying the online game, mm -hmm. it's, it's amazing how many different streams and flows of income you can make for yourself. Uh, yeah. And that's kind of, that's something we're trying to bring to you guys in this show is we want to start presenting all these different little nooks and crannies that you can start bringing money in and really give yourself a sense of security and protection for a long-term design business. Yeah. I think it was the first, I mean, the, the first person that kind of inspired me was listening to Pat Flynn's podcast and, you know, just hearing how he got started selling courses for his lead exam. And I'm, I'm familiar with that because I'm in that industry. It just goes to show that you don't have to have a big studio or, or you know, lots of clients or be working for a studio to be successful. You could be off on your own and, and make it work. All right. So let's move on to the next question. When did you launch the design cure? So that was back in 2015. That's when, you know, I was working for these online companies and also for, you know, doing some drafting work on the side. And I just, I wanted to take on my own projects and not go through this third party and just, you know, have more control over that. So I felt like the way to do that was to start my own interior design company, The Design Cure. And that kind of slowly progressed to helping other designers with their design presentations. Yeah. I mean, we, you still have clients that you work yeah. with and, and we keep it, we keep it fresh. And we, we, right now we're learning some expert SketchUp stuff that we have a trainer that came in and he's teaching us like all the bells and whistles. And he's also going to be teaching you guys too, because we have a course coming out in June, I think to start um, really showing interior designers the exact workflow they need to cover instead of having to waste so much time. So that's a big thing of what we've become is trying to figure out the fastest way to get great results. And that's why we teach what we teach. But at the same time, we're also interior designers ourselves mm -hmm. and we're you know trying to get bigger and bigger clients. Right. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's kind of, I've been working with mostly multifamily these past couple of years. And I really 
want to grow that, you know, this coming year. Um, so that's kind of my goal for the interior design part of the business. For the courses teaching side of the business, we have, you know, Photoshop course that's been really successful. We got a lot of great feedback. A lot of designers are getting jobs, you know, after finishing our course or, you know, they're going off on their own and offering e-design as a part of their services. So, you know, and it's not just residential designers that we see coming through. We see a lot of, you know, show set designers, even commercial designers. What other types? Uh, Even stage designers, people like set designers, Mm -hmm. people um, basically from all over the place, but. I think at the end of the day, it's just uh, it's just really rewarding for us and to see that we're helping a lot and we're helping to kind of take the e-design movement a little further. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's go to the next question. How do you manage responsibilities in business, in the business, and mm-hmm. who is responsible for what as a couple? So for me, I am responsible for the design part of the business. So I work with the clients directly. I've you know. I'm out there specifying finishes, picking out different materials and that. I also manage the partnerships and content because, you know, my background is heavily in design. So um, I'm constantly doing research on that and putting it out there for our audience. Yep. And I'm there to help present your designs to the world. And if you you could be an amazing interior designer, Mm -hmm. but if you can't share that, that vision with the world, it's nobody's going to see it. Right. Or if it, or if your stuff looks kind of amateurish too, you know, especially now, like you want to be able to stand out and not get lost in the crowd. Right. But it's constant, like more and more competitions coming. Mm -hmm. So we have to stay ahead of the game um, to make sure that we keep getting clients, which means better looking presentations. Right. It's, um, you know, more, more posts to social media, um, just coming up with ways that even if we don't have clients at the time, we're still submitting uh, images to the world and attracting new clients. Um, so let's go on to another question. What was the worst entrepreneurial moment in your interior design business? Ooh, this is a juicy one. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think it was probably the beginning stages for me is when I was working, you know, not setting my own sort of rate, I, I was making so little that I just felt like, you know, it wasn't really worth my time. And I didn't realize, you know, that I, I didn't have the confidence that I could go off on my own. And then, you know, all it really took was getting my first client and having, you know, a great experience with that that really gave me the confidence to, you know, take on more and more clients. So the worst time in your entrepreneurial moment as an interior designer was when you didn't have confidence. Yeah. And what did that, what happened because of Yeah. That? Cause then you start, you start kind of working for pennies. You, you, you become a slave. Yeah. You become a slave. I remember like, how disappointed you were like just you paid all this money to go to interior design school mm-hmm. you come out and you basically get taken advantage of by these like super sleazy yeah skis balls because you didn't you didn't know yeah you better right yeah and i think i mean and that's all part of the 
sort of learning process too as an entrepreneur. But yeah, you got to learn to protect yourself. Right. You got to be. Could you talk more about maybe protecting yourself against clients? Yeah. So I think you know, for me, having a you know a very clear fee proposal and contract has been very important. Um, you know, setting those terms from the get-go. Um, so like a really strong contract, right. right? That that says, if this, then this, and if this, then right. and, it's over. And you kind of get, you know, those initial instincts when you first meet clients too. Like if they're going to sort of nickel and dime you for everything or if they're going to be more professional and, and easy to work with. So I think it's just kind of following your instinct too. And at the end of the day, you need to know how valuable your time is. Right. Right. So like if you're spending hours and hours on something and there's no money on the table yet, and even if there is a promise of money, um, is it enough to, to, uh, to value your time to each hour? And there's definitely ways of kind of coming up with how valuable your time is. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people say, um, okay, so let's, let's do this. We don't know each other very well in a client designer relationship. So why don't we say in the contract that you're going to pay me half in the mm-hmm. middle of the de- delivery? I'm going to deliver you A and B, mm-hmm. and then you're going to pay me half, and then I'm going to deliver you C and D. Yeah, well, I'm, I mean, it's tricky because everyone, there's so many different ways to go about it. I normally do a retainer of, you know, a certain percent. So I'll, I'll request a, a deposit, a retainer is essentially a deposit of, say, you know, 5% of the total project. And then I'll have deadlines set for each phase of the project. So say it's schematic phase. Okay, so when I deliver that, that's when the first payment is due. So, I mean, everyone's different. I know, you know, some designers collect the total fee at the end. Um, It's really what gives you peace of mind. So there's just different ways to go about it, but. Cool. I think think people are going to get a lot of value from that. So let's uh, go on to the next question. What is a typical week like for you two? Well. You start. Well, I think uh, date night is my favorite part of the week. That's and on Sundays? I thought it was on Thursdays. Thursdays and Sundays? Thursdays and Sundays. Mm-hmm. So we have two date nights. So that's definitely my favorite part of the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rest of the week, we are slaving away. Uh, you, yeah. A lot of the times we're working on blog posts mm-hmm. and content. Um, we're hiring teachers. Mm-hmm. We're, we run our Photoshop bootcamp course three weeks out of every month. Yeah, we have a group finishing up right now. Yeah. We're and doing really well. We're kind, we're very active within each group, you know, making sure that the designers are progressing within the course. Um, so yeah, yeah, we have a lot going on. And right now we're about to be transitioning them into the alumni mastermind group, mm-hmm. which is just an ongoing group um, that we provide our students where we kind of all just, you know, keep in touch. We talk about jobs. We talk about problems that we're having. We talk about, um, you know, even partnerships within the alumni community where, where we can all work together. 
Yeah, and it's it's been really cool to see when you know when designers share their projects that they're currently working on, or if they get a certain job. Um, it's it's been really rewarding to see you know how far they could take their Photoshop skills to get them more projects. Yeah, we just had a big kind of social media party for somebody who just got a job at Havenly. That was fun. Um, okay, so what else do we do during the week? Um, let's see. We got a concert coming up. Yeah, we're seeing Pink Martini this weekend. Heading down to Washington. Mm-hmm. Again, that was a date. That's a date night thing. Yeah. Um, and we are also pregnant. We are five months pregnant. So we have baby stuff to like I have ultrasound meetings and stuff like that. So we also have that that we have to kind of work within our schedule. Yep. Bringing a life into the world for the first time. A little nervous, a little scared. But uh, I think it's all going to work out. It's going to be great. Yeah, and I think that's one of the other reasons why we find, you know, having your own business so important is because we're going to be able to spend that much more time at home with our child and, you know, not be, you know, stuck to an office somewhere. Yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't even think about like having to leave you two every day. Yeah. And go off and work and then only see you during the worst times of my day when I'm tired in the morning and tired at night. Cranky. It's got to (laughs) be so hard. And at the end of the day, I think what the most important thing for your business is, is figuring out how well you can serve somebody. How much can you possibly help somebody? And if you can do that right, you are going to do well. Yeah. Yeah. Like what? And so like, that's what I think we're focused on the most yeah. is how much value can we give to people? Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's nothing more important than that. Um, and a lot of that is just getting feedback from what people need. Mm-hmm. So make sure you reach out to your audience. Um, talk to your clientele, get out there, um, boots on the ground if you need to. Um, and it doesn't just have to be social media, but just get out there, ask them what their problems are. Even if they're with an interior design service that maybe they're not enjoying, maybe like what problems are they having? Mm-hmm. Check out blogs and forums and just try to solve more problems. Um, anything more on that? Um, no, I think you hit all the key points. Man, I'm getting mm-hmm. fired up right I now. Know. <laughs> all right, let's see. Um, what is the biggest business failure you had and what did you learn from it? Well, I think. Not being focused, I think, huh, on what we were trying to, what we were, and what we were trying to do with the with our business. Because we, were, I felt like in the beginning, you know, which I think a lot of businesses go through, you get it's so scattered, you get so lost, and you know. What did we do to pull ourselves out of that? I think it was really listening to what our, like seeing what our strengths were and listening to what people were asking from us and kind of working with that. Well, that kind of goes into our next question of what's a personal habit that contributes to your success. Maybe it's listening. Yeah, that. And I feel like when you're working on your own, you have to really learn how to manage your time because no one's going to tell you, you know, this is what you need to do today. Like, like they, 
do when you work in an office. So you have to, you know, set priorities and figure out what's important and, you know, manage, manage all that, get it done. Yeah. And I've had, we've had um, several coaches in our lives that we've turned to. It really helps to have a coach sometimes, like just to have somebody in your ear, even reading books, like, mm-hmm. um, uh, with Gary Vanderchuk, he puts out a ton of content about marketing and sales yeah. and um, just always having somebody in your ear, which is something I hope we're doing for you guys is just being here to give you valuable information, to give you maybe even a push uh, that you need to keep going and keep uh, striving for, for more. Mm-hmm. If you're stuck in a pit, you know, like we were and you're just not making much and you're working your butt off, just keep going and keep looking and, and asking yourself questions about how you can serve your audience better Mm -hmm. Um, and you'll get there. Um, So yeah, uh, listening, I think is one of our biggest habits. Mm -hmm. Um, What's the biggest challenge you found working as a couple? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we bicker like crazy sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I think, and we don't have like normal couple bickers. We (laughs) bicker over business stuff mainly. Yeah. Like, it's, it's always about business. It's always about like where we should be spending our time in business or it's, uh, or when you want to talk about it, I'm over it. And I just want to watch TV and go to sleep or just shut my brain off. Um, what else? Biggest challenges. Yeah. I think, I think it's just working together. You're constantly going to have to work on getting better. Mm-hmm. And I think we have like where we are now compared to where we were a couple of years ago mm-hmm. when it came to taking the leap from our businesses mm-hmm. and dealing with each other. Having a separate work zone. Yep. is <laughs> really helps because sometimes we don't even realize when we're distracting each other. Cause when we're in different separate, different areas, then, uh, we're, we're not like, I'm not hearing her music or something. Yeah. And it's like triggering me to want to go get food. Or, or something. he can't stand my mouse clicking or, or she's constantly chewing on something. <laughs> and you are such an angel. huh? Yeah. So next question. Um, let's see. Okay. Last question. What advice would you have for designers that are waiting to do what you guys do? Wanting to do. Wanting to do what you guys do. Let's see. Well, we've covered a few things. Yeah. One is sort of niching down who your ideal client is. Um, I feel like another thing would be what what are your strengths? Yeah. What's your... What's your competitive advantage? Mm-hmm. What are you naturally good at that other people struggle with? Mm-hmm. What else? Passion. Yeah. You, you got to have passion for it. Once you figure out what that is, you just, you know, make sure that you niche it down to your specific passion. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, it's just a matter of systematically creating a plan. Right. And sticking to it, being consistent. That's a big thing. We've, it took us a long time to learn that. I think the consistency is key. And we're still working on that. Yeah. Like it's really hard to get up a few blog posts a week, mm-hmm. this podcast and, and courses and classes and 
and sticking to our designers, but it's important and we're passionate about it, which, mm-hmm. which makes us be able to stick with it. Mm-hmm. And so you got to love what you, what you do. If you don't love it, then you guys might as well just quit now and, and try something else that you do love because mm-hmm. it's going to be a long road, but you can definitely get there. You can definitely get there. So I think that brings us to the end of this podcast. Anything else? Any closing comments? Um, let's see. Well, I'm excited to see the final design boards from our current class this Friday. Everyone's going to submit their final designs. I'm going to share that um, with you guys on Instagram. So if you guys want to check that out, I'm pretty excited to see what designers come up with. Uh, Thank you guys so much. Remember to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. So you get, uh, you get our next one when it's ready to go. Yeah. And thanks for joining us. We appreciate your time and um, hope to see you next time.